You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 753 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland coming to you live on a Wednesday morning. Yes, a Wednesday morning. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off on your first box of Built Bars. Today's show is kind of a roundup. Um, you know, I don't have a guest. It's just me today and just some news and one prominent rumor. Uh, just not a lot going on in Hawksland, but there is some news to get to. And we'll start right there. Uh, so first things first. Travis Schlenk visited with 92.9 The Game on the morning show with John and Hugh on Tuesday morning, and he had some comments about when the Hawks might be reopening the practice facility. Of course, there's been a lot of talk about this, and even more so about the Hawks because of the attention that Georgia got as being uh, not the first necessarily, but one of the first states to sort of reopen things in some form or fashion um, on the heels of COVID-19. All that that to say, you may recall there was some reporting in late April that the NBA would allow teams to reopen on May 1st specifically. No firm announcement came about May 1st, but in advance of any league chatter, it was just the reporting out there. Schlenk did a round of interviews last week saying that the team had no plans to reopen on May 1st if, if indeed the league ended up doing that. And in those in those discussions, he did say that the league had not told them May 1st was going to be the target date anyway. But shortly, shortly after that, the league announced that May 8th, was going to be the date for when teams could reopen in certain areas where the shelter-in-place restrictions are eased. That definitely applies to Georgia, based on what we know right now. Um, no change since that announcement by the league last week, but um, with that date sort of arriving pretty quickly here on Friday, Schlenk was asked about it um, on, on this interview. He, he did say that the, the choice to make the date on Friday was actually head-scratching, quote-unquote. I'm, so, I'm kind of with him on that. I'm not sure why Fridays are the dates that the league is sort of centered on here, but... More importantly, he did say that the Hawks are, quote, aiming, end quote, to open up next week, quote, to allow our players to come in and get shots, end quote. He did say that they, that they plan to be really cautious and also begin at a, quote, really slow pace, end quote. But he also said that they are continuing to monitor the local situation and they are meeting with the team doctors on Thursday for more information. This is not a firm announcement from the team. This is just Travis being asked about this on a radio show that he regularly does. So keep that in mind. But even as a reminder here, when they do reopen, if it's going to be next week, as uh, he sort of indicates here, no more than four players in the facility um, at one time is one of the restrictions. Also, no assistant coaches or head coaches are permitted to participate anything that goes on and no group activities like practices or scrimmages. So always keep that in mind here when you're talking about the reopening of the facilities. It's not going to be like they're practicing. I know the diehard fans probably know that as they've been following this turn by turn to see sort of every little inkling of when the league could reopen. But um, keep that in mind. And there also there's there's this discussion point, not really in Atlanta, but elsewhere about, you know, competitive balance and all this stuff. I don't really think that's a big deal right now because teams are not going not to be practicing. But um, they really want to keep players out of public facilities um, when it comes to working out. You know, guys want to play basketball, but you don't want those guys necessarily being in like a lifetime fitness going to play basketball right now. Um, so keep that in mind through all this prism. But we'll keep monitoring this. But on the news front, this is sort of the biggest thing that happened. And even though it's not really a big thing that happened uh, this week when it comes to Travis doing an interview, um, we'll definitely follow that. And I think um, if they do reopen next week, it's going to be, you know, not a huge news story. There won't be a lot of coverage about it because, you know, 
it's not like the facility is going to be open to media or even practices or all that stuff. So it's a very small thing, but in the midst of all the reporting about Disney World and all that stuff as uh, bubble ideas, there's been some pushback. There's some good some good reporting out there from ESPN. I know there was a piece from Tim Montemps and Brian Windhorst that kind of dives into the bubble concept. Right now, we're in a holding pattern as we've been for a while now. Time's kind of, <laughs> time's sort of stands still at the moment, but uh, there you go on that, and uh, Travis weighs in as of Tuesday morning, and we will uh, talk about this more if there's any change or any more league announcements, because if you might remember this, the only, the only other announcement that the league has made like firmly is that the draft lottery and the combine were postponed, which we talked about on a uh, podcast earlier in the week, um, so... Well, all that said, yeah, that's all I got for now on the actual news part of the podcast. Okay, before we move on to the uh, sort of non-news part of the pod, I want to talk to you about the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are many reasons to love Built Bar. On top of the incredible taste, Built Bar is fantastic for everyone who is trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high fiber, and quite honestly, it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Unlike some others, the bars are soft and easy to chew. I can tell you I've been loving the banana nut bread flavor the absolute most right now, but there's also plenty of others that I really enjoy, including the peanut butter brownie flavor. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all bring a spectacular flavor profile to the table. I recommend Built Bar in a big way, and in order to check it out for yourself, Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com, and it's a perfect day to try Built Bar. All right, the next thing on the agenda is definitely not news in the way that Travis Slank's discussion point uh, was earlier on the pod, and it's not actually a rumor either. This has not been reported by anyone. We'll get that out there right now. This is an idea that someone had, not a rumor. People always kind of mix this up to me, sort of a pet peeve of mine when people talk about rumors that are not rumors. This is not a rumor. Uh, someone, someone, you know, discussing a trade idea is not a rumor. Keep that in mind. But I got asked about this about 10 times within about an hour this morning. And in fact, this is what prompted me to do the podcast this morning during one of my breaks from work. So uh, hopefully everybody is appreciating that um, timeliness here. But John Hollinger of The Athletic, who is based in Atlanta and obviously pretty familiar with the Hawks. He lives here, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, also the uh, creator of PR and the former uh, Grizzlies front office member. He wrote something. Um, so I'm just going to answer all the questions that I was given uh, in the last hour here. Uh, Hollinger in a back and forth about the Celtics, this is important, about the Celtics with Jay King of The Athletic, brought up what he called his, quote, favorite trade, quote, idea for the Celtics. Again, this is his favorite trade for the Celtics. And it involves John Collins, which is something why I'm talking about it right now. If you haven't seen this, the deal is John Collins to Boston and Atlanta acquiring Romeo Lankford, the number 14 pick in the 2019 draft out of Indiana, and all three of Boston's first round picks. So on the surface... You can kind of understand it because, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to defend this. Uh, and the clip's version is that, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But um, I think on the surface, the deal looks better for Atlanta than it actually is when you dive in. Because if you just say, look, you're, you're getting a, if you're trying to make the, uh, the favorable pitch here, you're getting a lottery pick from last season and three first-round picks. And that, seems, that sounds like a lot. But considering you already know what the first-round picks are, and uh, they're not good picks. That's the biggest important thing here. And um, we'll come back to that in a later date. But uh, the deal is not great. Uh, the Cliffsworth version, again, as I said before, um, sort of teased before anyway, is that this is not a deal that the Hawks should do. Again, this is not a deal the Hawks should do. And it's not a rumor. It's something that Hollinger brought up. And this is the most important thing about this. It was brought up in a form about the Celtics. And that makes it more understandable as to why it exists. But there you go on that. With that out of the way, 
for the Hawks, it does not make a ton of sense. Even if I can see how someone put, put this together for Boston, um, obviously the Celtics have incentive in a big way. If you're not following the Celtics specifically, I understand that. Um, but they have a lot of reason to try to consolidate some of their assets. They have this firm rotation right now of guys who are really good, and obviously Boston was good this season. They're kind of loaded on the wing with, of course, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They have Gordon Hayward still. They have Marcus Smart. They have Kyrie. They have that's kind of their nucleus right now. That's a pretty impressive nucleus in a lot of ways. Um, but they also have this like smorgasbord of young assets that you know they had a ton of draft picks and a ton of draft capital last year. They added Langford. They added Grant Williams. They added Tremont Waters. All these guys uh, along the way here. Um, and they also have three picks this year, which is kind of, you know, fabled. Boston had this incredible stash, and it actually did not work out very well for them. For instance, this year, Memphis looks like they're going to make the playoffs if they exist. Um, and that's the 17th pick in the draft. But that, that pick was supposed to be a premium pick. Some of their picks kind of, um, I would say, went down in value along the way. But regardless, Boston, you know, has every reason, as the short answer, to package some of their picks or all of their picks and some of their young guys who aren't running the rotation for one sort of impact piece. So you can sort of see it along the way for them. Langford might be their most valuable trade chip still. I wouldn't say that for sure. I think Grant Williams is probably up there as well and maybe their 17th pick this year. But, you know, even with that said, Langford was a big-time prospect coming out. I get all that. But um, he was the 14th pick in the draft. He appeared only 27 games. He had some bright spots later on in the calendar, but he still can't really shoot, and I think his value has to be lower on the market than it was even a year ago because if you come in, post really bad shooting percentages in a pretty small sample size, it doesn't really help your value, even if you flash some defense and all that stuff. Beyond that, the, the three first-round picks from Boston, they definitely have some value. I've actually discussed those on a previous podcast in a mailbag because that was sort of a popular idea is maybe the Hawks could trade down their own pick for maybe all three of Boston's picks. That's like, they're the only team that has three first-round picks, so that's obviously a natural partner in some respects. But... The appeal of those three picks is not really what you would think because they're 17, 26, and 30. And I know, you know, th this draft is bad. I'm the first person to say that. I will say this. The most favorable thing I can say about those picks is that the draft at that point in the draft is kind of normal. That doesn't mean that there is incredible value there, but the real problem with this draft is the very top. So, you know, 17, 26, and 30 are not appealing picks necessarily, but they do have some cost control. The problem is, though, it doesn't really go into what the Hawks would want in a package at all, much less for John Collins, who's their second best player. Um, so basically, the Hawks have talked pretty openly about how they don't want to have this slew of rookies. I've actually disagreed with them at times about this, but even last year, um, they've talked about not, not wanting to have all these rookies on the roster. And I think especially when you factor in that they've been pretty open in talking about how they want to make the playoffs next year. This is kind of a move that doesn't make a lot of sense from that. If they were trying to just start a rebuild, this is the kind of move that you would do to just add assets to the table. But they're not starting a rebuild. They're continuing to try to push it ahead. And I think, you know, last year, of course, they packaged picks to move up. They, you know, they did that kind of multiple times. They they, they, they traded up for Bruno. Um, even that's like a small move, but even then, those are kind of moves that you don't, that kind of show you that they didn't want a, a sort of a plethora of picks that were available to them. Because they could have stayed put and had five picks last year, or maybe even six picks. Um, it's just one of those things where they didn't they didn't choose to do that. They've actually consolidated assets, so now to turn around and do the opposite wouldn't make a whole lot of sense there. And I think, just to put it plainly here, I think they would be uh, it would surprise me a great deal if the Hawks wanted to add three more rookies in addition to their own. That's so they basically would have four first round picks. And they'd have another guy who's basically a rookie in Langford to go along with another guy in Bruno who's a rookie and who's been basically going to be a rookie again, having limited experience. And you still have the two young guys in, um, of course, Hunter and Reddish. So you'd have a lot of young players in this uh, 
sort of alignment here. Anyway, the retort on this would be if you want to be devil's advocate, you would say that the Hawks could attempt to package those picks for something else that would help them now. And I think that's the only way this makes any sort of sense would be if the Hawks had a deal in place or at least a discussion in place to turn around and use some or all of those assets to trade for somebody else that a team that didn't want Collins and have it be like a three-way deal almost. But even then, that is uh, difficult to conceive of. It's not impossible by any means, but the Hawks are trying to win next year. That's pretty clear at this point in time. They don't want to necessarily push all in to win this year. I will be the first person to say that, and they should not be pushing all in to win this year. I got some pushback, actually, kind of funny, in my opinion, but I guess I could see why this is framed this way. But I did a uh, visit with Nate Duncan of the Dunkton Podcast over the weekend, and people were... At least two people that I heard from thought that I was saying that, 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 that they should have pushed for the playoffs this year, which is not what I was saying. I think, you know, obviously if they had known Trey Young was going to make the leap that he made, that would have been a situation where the Hawks could have pushed more of their chips in. But I was probably the, one of the first people arguing for the rebuild, even when they were still good previously. And I think rebuilding takes time. I am not the push-ahead person, so keep that in mind through all of this. But with all that said, they've set it up for themselves. Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce's comments, Travis Schlenk's comments. They want to win more next season, obviously. And uh, just to put it very clearly here, you're sending out your second best player who is, you know, a fringe all-star right now and sending him away for three rookies and a guy who is basically a rookie in Romeo Langford. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So my overall take on this one, and again, this is, I'm probably making too much out of this, but people ask me about this so much and it's, it's this dead period. So I totally understand why this happened, but I wanted to just weigh in on it now, get it out of the way. Um, my overall take is that it's one of those deals that sounds great for one team. And again, one more time here. It was mentioned in a piece dedicated to that team in Boston. So Boston media, you know, it is what it is, but they have every reason to look for the stars here. Um, if they could do this, the Celtics would do it immediately. I think they probably should do it immediately, all that stuff. Um, but if you're looking for a deal for Collins, and you know, honestly, I truly do understand some of the speculation on Collins maybe being available on the market. I've discussed this in various places, including here and on, my, on that podcast with Nate, etc., I think that there is a world in which the Hawks look to trade Collins or maybe even just take offers for Collins because of the fact that they uh, he'll be a free agent next summer. And until a guy is locked in, you have to at least be open to the fact that they could look to trade him. With that said, this is not the kind of deal that they would make, in my opinion, for Collins. And I think, um, you know, it's just one of those things where if you, if, I don't know, if you had a second deal in place, I guess you could maybe pull it off, but... Um, I do like Collins more than the consensus. I think that John Collins is very valuable, and this is not a this is not a deal that you would look to make if you were the Hawks. Even if you came to the end of your rope and decided, which by the way I don't think the Hawks have done by any means, but even if, even if you thought that they had, just decided that they had to trade Collins this summer, this is not the deal that I would make <laughs> to trade John Collins. Um, yeah, they, I think they can do better than this. I, I understand the pure value perspective if you want to just like dive into like trade charts. And value charts in the NBA draft, you could probably come up with a situation where, yeah, three those three picks and Romeo Langford, if you still valued him, would be a pretty valuable package in a vacuum. But for a team that is trying to get better now, not worse, and not try to re not try to rebuild, it makes less sense. If you're trying to find a team like, I don't know, Detroit that's like just starting their rebuild and they had this one player like John Collins, that was like their best player, but wasn't like necessarily going to be a top ten player in the league kind of value. And you wanted to argue that maybe they should trade, like, you know, for instance, like Washington. I don't know. Try to find a team that has a good player, but isn't going to have that player got carry them to the promised land. And maybe that makes more sense. Like, you want to start a rebuild by doing that and getting more assets. I totally get it. But for the Hawks, who already have their guy in Trey Young, John Collins is a legitimate number two right now. He's really good at basketball. This is not a deal that you would make. I get it. It's just one of those things that looks better on paper, potentially, um, than it would in practice. And uh, the Hawks just have no interest, I don't think, in uh, adding four more rookies. 
to the agenda here. So all that said, that's way too long on this, but uh, not a deal that I would do. And uh, if you uh, see, I mean, this is not, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, John Hollinger is a trusted voice. And again, he was not reporting this as a rumor. This is an idea he had. And I think it's probably good that people are free to write about rumors, uh, not not rumors, uh, write, write about things that they think are smart. That's something I, I try not to do a whole lot of on this podcast just because of the fact that it gets sort of out of control at times. And it's just kind of hard to figure out deals. I think I've done this rant before, but people always ask me like, what does a deal look like for this or this? And until we get reporting, it's kind of hard for me to do. I might talk about it offline with people and just kind of try to figure out what a package might look like for certain guys. But this is kind of the trouble is that it's really hard to do fake trades uh, that make a lot of sense. And this is one that uh, makes more sense for Boston than Atlanta. Okay. That'll do it for today's podcast. It's going to be pretty short. I was going to add something, but I think we've done enough um, for today and we'll save that for later. Um, please take a moment if you will. And I really appreciate everybody's support so far during this, uh, downtime. We're still having people listen to the pod and I really appreciate everybody keeps that keeps joining and firing it up and downloading and telling friends. Thank you so much for that. I had a fun podcast. I thought on Monday with Ross Homan of the Steppy and other places. Ross is, uh, I think the best person that is doing like high school film and looking ahead to the NBA draft. He is fantastic at that. He's watching these guys more than anybody that I know. So check out all that thought about the 2021 draft. I know it's sort of looking ahead a little bit, but that class is uh, better than this class to be sure. And I promise you we'll do more on the 2020 draft in the coming days because we don't really know when the draft's going to be. So I'm trying to try to space it out a little bit just for the uh, content wheel. But uh, please subscribe to the podcast. We've also have recent recent uh, visits from people like Tower Jones and Robbie Calland and Ben Ladner is continuing on that series with uh, Ben and I. That's been a lot of fun as well. So thank you for listening to the podcast today. Again, one more time, five-star feedback, subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see everybody on the other side.